You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. <clears throat> Sorry, that sounds strained. Another week. Glad you're here. Glad you're back. What a what an awesome uh, episode last week. Really went all over the place, and the numbers were great, and the listeners and the views on YouTube. And I want to say thank you to everybody who gave it a shot and listened. You know, when we get these certain guests that have such a huge following, well, a lot of these people aren't following me. They're not uh, listening to Inside of You, but. When they're on here, people listen to it, and if they like it, and you say, hey, listen to maybe another one, give us another shot, so you, you know, that's kind of what you do. Um, But it was great. Grant Gustin was great, and, uh, you know, I I love all the interviews, and um, I did a little interview with uh, my grandma, just, she's on FaceTime, and I did it like a week ago, and I recorded it, but I didn't put it on that other episode, so I want to share that with you now. Okay, Blanco, how are you? How are you holding up? Just like everyone else, crappy. <laughs> yeah, you're crappy. Uh, are you doing anything to amuse yourself? What, do, what can I do? Well, you could talk to your grandson constantly. I, I'm telling you how many times I called you three times last night. All right, hang on. Well, don't make me sound like a dick. I, I, I've been, <laughs> I've been we, we, we talk almost every day, do we not? Yes, we do. We do. But I... I wanted to ask you if you'd go on FaceTime today with the family. Yeah, of course I will. I wish I could come there and hug you. Oh, would I love that. We could play some, what is it called, Rummy Cube? Rummy Cube, yeah. Yeah, we could do that. We could play Canasta. You could teach me how to play Canasta. That's a hard game to learn, though, isn't it? Yeah. You have to play more than two people, though. How old do you think the oldest item in your freezer is? Oh, God, I have no idea. (laughs) Are we talking, like, 20th century? No. <laughs> Not that bad. You're cooking for yourself. You're doing, I mean. 18th century. <laughs> 18th century. Well, I love you. I love uh, I love singing with you. We have to do our concerts. Remember, we had a good concert. I played an hour for you. We played, we sang together. Yeah, I like that very much. And I, know I love people. You give me, you cheer me up all the time. Well, you make me very happy. You do. You really put a, a smile on my face every day. Just. You know, hearing your voice and your support, you've always been amazingly supportive. I talk about you on the podcast all the time. You're very unconditional love. That's what it is, isn't it? For me, it is definitely unconditional. Yeah. I'd do anything for you that I could. All right. I love you dearly. Love you. All right. So, give me a, give me a, you, you and Grandpa's song. You and her, give me a little, give, the first verse. Um, I don't feel be seeing you in all the old familiar places that this heart of mine embraces all day through. I'll see you in the morning sun, and when the night is through, I'll be looking at the moon, but I'll be seeing you. Oh, that I was good. Hear, Brings a hear. tear to my eye. I love you. Thank you. Okay, baby. Bye-bye. Bye. Grandma Blanco. Blanche from Florida. I love this woman so much. You have no idea. Oh, I love her. Just a few things. I hope you're dealing with all this stuff. And I'll tell you what, I decided to do, get ready for it, a mental health week. Um, I've been wanting to do this and, uh, well, we're doing it. I got two amazing, amazing ladies who, you know, work with me, let's just say. Um, This wonderful woman, Sandy Danio. And Ellen Wassel, life coach. Sandy's a DBT, a behavioral therapist, and they both do amazing things. But uh, 
I met them when I was at Privé Swiss, this wonderful place in Connecticut. And we'll get into that on Mental Health Week. But I think it's really important. And I just kept thinking about it. I'm like, you know, how do, how do I help people? Uh, it's free therapy, you know, for, for, for an hour. Um, so you want, you want to tune into that. And uh, thank you for supporting the podcast. Make sure you subscribe. The links are right here. See, look at that. There's that. And the handles. Oh, look at that. See, Bryce does that. That's so cool. Uh, I really like that. You, you think I'm looking at it. I'm pretending because I know he's going to put it in there. But uh, inside of you, uh, at inside of you pod on Twitter, at inside of you podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Please subscribe um, on YouTube and Spotify or wherever you listen to it on both. And listen and watch and share and all that stuff. Um, great episode today. A returning guest, but a a man, a Marvel, uh, Marvel man. He was in Guardians of the Galaxy. You know him as Drax. Um, tons of movies. One of the biggest wrestlers in the world. Um, heart of gold. Is doing a lot of big movies. We talk about so much great stuff today. He's so insightful and so honest and like this lovable, shy, big hunk of love, man. He's just a... Did I just say big hunk of love? Sorry, Dave. You're probably going to watch this and kick my ass for that. But I love you. He also sent me this thing from my neck. He's just so thoughtful. He's just uh, the iron neck. And I've been working with that. And uh, it's helping me a lot. So um, why don't we just get right into it? And also, uh, Zach Levi, Inside of You live podcast. As of now, we're still a go. That's July 2nd at the North Door in Austin live podcast. Two shows get your tickets we'll see what happens but as of now that show is a go but you know things are changing so quickly here take a deep breath let's relax and 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 let's get inside dave bautista it's my point of view you're listening to inside of you with michael rosenbaum Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Shit. Uh, let me try this again. Come on now. Yeah, I get, can you hear me? Yeah, I turned off the sound somehow. <laughs> yeah. You do. aren't good with this shit, are you? You know, with all this stuff happening, it's hard not to talk about it because I'm sure people are like, oh. But I think people are interested in like going, hey, what are what are the stars doing? What are the, uh, you know. What are, what are people yeah. doing? And they're interested in like going, seeing how people get through it. Do you, you deal with like, you get anxiety? Is this making you anxious? You know, it's weird. And this is, uh, it's, it's been a little rough for me to talk about because I, you know, I don't want people to have the perception that's uh, like a, a fake anxiety. It's a fake concern because I'm really like fortunate right now. Um, with, uh, I feel like I've, I've kind of, it's almost like I prepped for this for years. And not intentionally, but uh, I'm just really, I'm very fortunate right now. I'm not suffering personally from this, but I am still suffering from like horrible anxiety. And it's just, you know, some days I just wake up and I just, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't even want to wake up. It's just depressing as hell. And I think like to myself, like I'm feeling like this and I'm fortunate. Like how are people who are like suffering, who are losing everything they have and their, you know, families are going hungry and they don't even have, you know, they can't put food on the table. They don't have access to food or they just don't have, they've run out of money. Yeah. How are they dealing with this? So it's like, it's, it's a tough thing for me to talk about openly because I don't feel like I have the right to, (laughs) to, you know, to complain or or be, but I am, uh, yeah, it's killing me. It hurts. Like, 
personally it hurts and I'm watching people like I sent my mom out. I know this sounds like um like a petty thing, but it just it broke my heart. I had to send my mom out toilet paper. My mom didn't have toilet paper. She's been going to the store and waiting in line in San Francisco uh, to get toilet paper. And they won't tell her before she goes in. She has to wait in line to go in. They won't tell her if they have toilet paper in stock or not. They will just have her wait in line. And she goes in and she doesn't have it. So it's for weeks or whatever. She's been without toilet paper. So I had to ship her out toilet. And I just, it breaks my heart that I have to send my mom toilet paper. I know that seems like a kind of a petty thing. No. Most Dude, that's not petty at all. It's like I got a 91-year-old grandmother in Fort Lauderdale, and, you know, she lost my grandfather in November uh, on Thanksgiving, and uh, his birthday was just uh, April 8th. He would have been 94, and, you know, first of all, I'm grateful that he lived that long, and he was my best friend, and, you know, they were together for 70, well, shit, how long? I mean, he's, I think, 75, 76 years they were together, so she doesn't know what it's like to not be with somebody, and now she's alone, so no one can go over there. I think my uncle recently started going over there. He just, it wasn't safe. He was like, I, I don't want to take chances, so he kind of sits like 20 feet away, doesn't like, you know, right. and right. she's all alone in this little, you know, she's got a nice little place. It's fine, but she just goes, Mikey, I'm so bored. She's got that, you know, Jewish New York accent. Yeah. I just, I just want to play Rummy Cube with somebody. Yeah. It's like this game we play and she, yeah. she misses a canasta games. And so she's alone and she's like, I'm like, can you order? Some, can I order you some food? Can I do something? She goes, I've got so much food in the freezer. I go, that food is from the fucking 70s. Nobody wants that food. It's fine. If you freeze it, it's fine. Yeah. It definitely puts things in perspective. When you're thinking about yourself, you wake up. Look, it, what you're going through is, is important. It's not, look, I, I care. I'm like, you know, people who are homeless. Can you imagine things getting worse for homeless people? Yeah. And it is. Yeah. It's, it's worse for everybody out there. So you definitely have to put things into perspective. But it doesn't mean that, you know, you don't have anxiety. You don't, right. you know. It's it, it's okay for I mean look I think we're all we're all freaking out a little bit here. Yeah, it just it just sucks, man. I mean, well, you, it just sucks all the way around, and just not. You know, I think the unknown too is scary. Like not knowing when things will normalize, if they're going to normalize, how bad we're of shape we're going to be in after this. You know what? And it, you know, to be honest with you, it breaks my heart that this will for a lot of people this will make people even more distant. Like there's, I've never been the most social guy. <laughs> But there are certain social things that I really cherish. Like, and I, and I said something, I put a little post on my Instagram last week, but like, I love going to the movie theaters. It's like one of my favorite things in the world to do. And I don't want to ever give that up. And I don't want to, I don't hate to think that people are not going to want to do those things anymore. And then theaters are going to go out of business. I mean, that's like things like that. And even like baseball games. I love, you know, I look forward to being able to make a baseball game and nationals. Yeah. And that's my team, man. It just, uh, <laughs> it's a social thing that I enjoy doing like with my friends and family. And, and I hate to think that this will change like our way of life and people won't want to socialize with each other anymore. I think they I think will. So. I think they will. I, Dave. So. I really hope so. It, man, Cause there's, and that's coming from a guy who's really socially uncomfortable, but I don't want to, I don't want people to be further apart. I feel like our country is so ripped apart already. Yeah. I don't want it to get, to get worse, man. And there's always those, those, simple things that bring us together no matter where we're at with politics or whatever, but there's simple things that bring us together as a community. And there's things like sporting events, movies, concerts. You're absolutely right. So that's, you know, you know, it's funny because the whole zoom thing it's, it's tomorrow night, 
I do a, I'm doing a bingo night for my friends. So it's like 40 people. Everybody Venmo's me 10 bucks. The pot's like 400 bucks. We give some to charity, you know, Ronald McDonald House yeah. or foodonfoot.org. Yeah. Got to throw those names out there. But, you know, and it's like sitting there watching your friends, the Brady Bunch. I got this fucking big bingo machine. I bought this big roller. It was like 400 bucks. People are like, how old are you? I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm you know. So I, you know, and it's funny because, you know, I'll sit there and I'll roll the balls. That didn't sound right. And. And I'll be like, B3. And then my friend Tom will go, B3. Like he's my backup, my side man, my sidekick. And uh, people have a blast. And just like it's a, it takes you away for an hour. And, um, you know, we have some laughs. But it's, it's weird. It's like I just want to, like, give my friend Tom a hug. I'd love to give you a hug. You know me. I'd love to come over and give old Batista a hug, an uncomfortable hug. I'm a hugger. Love. <laughs> I'm a man of a few words and many hugs. <laughs> many hugs. Yeah, dude. You know, I read something on your Instagram. It was it was it was really cool. It was uh, it wasn't long ago. It was like maybe a week ago. It says, "Thinking of better days past and better days to come. The simple things like a ball game, like you just said, with friends, fam, community. I can proudly say I've never taken life for granted. Grateful for every minute, every experience, every opportunity." Life's too damn precious, and I refuse to waste it or take it for granted. Wishing everyone good health and better days to come separately in this together, which I thought was really cool. And, man, it's pretty profound when you say something like you've never taken life for granted. Yeah. I, I think it's just, you know, it's, I think it's, it's because of where I come from. It's, I think, from seeing death at an early age, like up close and personal. And I think it's, uh, it's always me just trying to make the most out of my life, you know, kind of defy the odds. Like, you know, I, I should have been a statistic. And I didn't realize that I was not going to be a statistic. I didn't make the conscious effort to say that I'm not going to be a statistic. So I was almost 30. I was almost 30. Because I, I was in my box. I was, you know, on my block. I never, I didn't step foot out of my block. Uh, I was just a kid in D.C. I was working the streets of D.C. And, and it was about when I was 30 when I said, I just, I can't do this. I got to make something out of my life. And so, uh, yeah, I, I stand by that. I, I just, I love life, man. And I just don't take it for granted. I don't take anything. I don't take the things that I've been fortunate uh, to have or accomplish uh, or opportunities. I just don't take them for granted. I just really, I'm an appreciative guy. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, anybody who knows you will say that, you know, those people, those, those folks that have faced such adversity, when you see stare death in the face, you know, and like, you know, three people died on your front lawn or something like that. You're a bouncer. You've seen as dark as it can get in a lot of ways. Right. So, you know, there had to be a moment where you're like anything better than this is awesome anything every moment that came to you after those terrible moments were like oh wow i didn't get in a fight today oh i didn't see someone die today but look i know a lot of things you know i look at all the shit you're doing too and that's got to be hard it's like you know you got all these projects and i see in pre-production and all the things you did and you don't like stopping you want to keep moving right Uh, you know i started everything later in life and i am i always feel like i'm under the time uh crunch you know i'm under uh, the crunch as far as like, you know, getting older, I'm not getting any younger. And so I need, I constantly need to keep working and make things happen because I, I know, and I, cause I'm a realist. And I realize that someday, you know, the phone's not going to be ringing, you know, people are not going to be calling me to do, you know, jobs. And, and yeah, so I just don't, you know, I don't take it for granted. And I, I want to take advantage of opportunities. Like, I love the word opportunity, opportunity, like one of my favorite words. And if I'm given an opportunity, man, I'll just run it down. And I, I just, uh, so that, yeah, certain things like this is, I mean, that's what, what I mean when I say that I'm afraid of the unknown, because I don't know that when this is all going to go, you know, I don't, I want to know when I'm going back to work, you know, I'm, I'm losing, um, 
opportunities that I had, like my film, My Spy, that should have been released, um, was not, you know, obviously not able to be released in theaters. And I was really proud of it because it's yeah. a fun film, it's a family film. It's the first film I developed. So, uh, but they sold it to Amazon. So eventually it will be released, but I just, I wanted it to have a fighting chance in the theaters. Um, cause I was, I was pretty proud of it. I am pr- proud of it, but. Yeah, I knew, I knew you were. I knew you were upset with it, and, and as you should be. It was just the worst timing ever. It was supposed to be like released on like the eleventh of March or something. Yeah. So what are you going to do? I mean, what can that's you do? the thing. You kind of go, okay, this is the situation. You know what's funny is like, it sounds stupid, man, but I, I learned this and it does work. I I thought it would never work, but you know, I remember I fired off some job years ago, and I remember just things along the way. It's like, oh, this didn't happen, or oh, this, and I just go, I start to think immediately. What are you grateful for? Stop. What are you grateful for? Right. Don't let this. What are you grateful for? What do you got going? All right. You got two. You got two awesome dogs. All right. You got this. You got a cool grandmother's 91. Okay. You got it. And you just start. And that somehow psychologically, the brain, it works. If you just right. keep telling yourself positive things, do you do yeah. that? Or are you kind of like, fuck, fuck, fuck. You want to throw somebody well, out yeah, of there? I get upset like everybody else. I mean, I, you know, I'm human. And I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when something doesn't happen the way I envision it in my head, I, you know, I get upset, but I, I am that guy, which is, you know, goes back to earlier when I say that I don't like, I never want to be, I never want to have the, uh, for people to have the perception of me as, as bitching or moaning. No, it doesn't come off. Trust me. Hey dude, uh, Maggie and Ollie, would you say, uh, yeah. they're kind of like a godsend for this, for this shit going on? They are <laughs> they're your uh... dogs. Tell, tell us about your dogs. Cause you saved these guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I did was I, I kept them together because they're, so they're, they're litter mates. And so when they were first brought to uh, the shelter, they immediately split them up and they were trying to adopt them out and uh, they'd never been apart in their life. So uh, a local organization found out about it and uh, they knew that I had room and experience with pit bulls. So they asked me if I'd adopt both of them to keep them together. And so uh, that's what I did. I think eventually, because they're just such great dogs, somebody probably would have adopted them. They just probably would have do- adopted them separately. Right. Because, uh, you know, most people, it's hard for them to take one, but let alone two big, you know, dogs. So just, uh, but they are, they're a godsend. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm relating them to, so this is how I, I'm, you know, I've been hearing from a lot of people that now they're home with their kids all day and they're just going nuts. <laughs> And that's how I am with the dogs. Like they're literally, they're driving me nuts. So most of the time it's all, it's all great. And I love them, but they're so hyper. And they're so, oh, I yeah. feel like the more I'm around, the needier they are. Yeah. So they just start getting very demanding over my attention, over space. Um, it's just, I feel like the more I'm around, the more needy they become. And they're just, now they're whining and they want to, you know, if I walk outside, they think we're going for a ride and they're just lined up in the car, <laughs> scratching at the car. <laughs> they're just right. And they, they know how to make you feel guilty, too. They look at you like, they I totally just, do, just want to. So I'm like, I just took you for a fucking walk like an hour ago. We went for like an hour walk. What do you want? I don't know. Yep. It's just like I'm sitting on this couch and you're fucking Zoom and a Zoom and shit, man. And you're like, all right, <laughs> let's go out. Let's play. Let's, and it's never enough. And it's never enough f- food. Yeah. But, you know, you love daily rituals. So I have a separate building that's my office and gym, and it's a, it's a couple miles from me. So that's our usually daily ritual. We jump in the car and we go up there just to get them out of the house, get me out. That's where Did they go out. in the gym? They're running around while you're working out? Yeah, they're running around. They have access to the gym. Do they um, work out? They, Do they? Oh, they they used to be fine. They enjoyed the ride, heads out the window. But now they just sit in the back seat and whine until we get there. It's like, <laughs> it's just, like they can't get there fast enough. I need to teleport them there. 
So like that. <laughs> I can just see. I can just see. Hey, just knock it off. Calm down. <laughs> I'm gonna stop this car. I'm gonna turn this car around. Well, that's probably a good thing because you have three kids, right? And and they're all grown up. Yeah, and so my 12 year old is. Uh, we've been. Uh, oh, she's you know, not completely grown up. And he's, right. You know, he's up in Northern Virginia. He's outside of DC, and he's now. You know, he's he's a gamer. So now I'm just. Man, that was just, this is his excuse to sit on, you know, in his little gamer chair all day. Do you play <laughs> with him? Just, Do you play games? I don't play games. I'm just, I'm just not good. I don't have the patience. Uh, I don't have the focus. And I also, if I do find a game that I like, I become addicted very fast. And then, like, hours will fly by. I will not eat. I will sit <laughs> on a game and just, yeah, just play. You, and play you know, and play. If kids have died playing. Have you heard those things? Where people are on that thing so long. Like they have these marathons where they're on 24 hours a day. I've heard these weird stories where they just aren't nourished and they just play games and they're like drinking like Red Bulls and they have, they die. Yeah. I believe it. It's an addiction. It is, you dude. find that right game that just calls to you. It's so addictive. Red Dead Redemption, because it's just slow enough where I could sort of like it's because I need slow. These fast yeah. games where it's like every you're using 30 buttons. Forget it. You remember when we just used Frogger, man? Just cross the fucking yeah. fuck, <laughs> jump on the alligator. Four directions. <laughs> That's it. Four directions. You don't even need a Four button. Directions. Donkey Kong. Left, yeah. up, right. Oh, that, easy. Yeah. That's what I miss, man. It just got too complicated. Life got too complicated. Do you think if I did a national no phones day, people would do it since there's no way, would they? Oh, God, no. No, and I'm admittedly, I am I am really bad at this. I get, so if I lose my phone or forget my phone somewhere, I get pure, like, anxiety attacks. Like, I'm losing it. Um, well, that's you I, realize I, that's I, not good. I hate to admit it. I hate to say it out loud, but I feel instantly disconnected i feel like i'm missing something i can't touch i actually i did lose my phone i was on my bike and i was rushing to we were doing a screening of my spy and i was on the highway and i was flying on my bike and my phone just went flying out and so i didn't have my phone and i was having so much anxiety about it so i went later back to the highway and i didn't turn my bike off i left it on. i left the battery on and i went for an hour looking for my phone and I found pieces of it, came back to my bike, and my bike was dead. So now I'm up on the highway with uh, no transportation oh and no phone. <laughs> oh, my this God. This is my nightmare. But, yeah, I'm so addicted to my phone. Well, that's what I, I was thinking. Here's the reality. I know we're all on our phones, and you got the Instagrams and the TikToks and the yeah. podcasts and everything. And it's just like we're constantly on that. But what it does, as much as you think it connects us, and, I'm, dude, I'm, do, I do it too. I'm not fucking preaching. Yep. It disconnects us. So oh, for sure. So you go out to dinner, you're still kind of like, oh, I just want to see. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it is. It's like heroin, dude. It's fucking yeah. heroin. I wonder if people could just do it for a day. I mean, we were all doing it before 2000. When did cell phones come out? I don't even remember. Yeah. But everybody was, that's oh, what I, I, When I first started wrestling, I didn't have a cell phone. I was used, still using pay phones. And, and how was your life? Yes. How was your. We using road atlases. <laughs> no, it, was, it, was, it was good. I just, you know, the phones, you know, these cell phones are just, you know, they're convenient. I, I am not guilty of like, I can sit through a dinner without looking at my phone. I, I love if I'm going out to dinner with people, I want to sit and I want to talk with them and I want to eat and enjoy it. The evening i i i stick my nose up at a table full of people on their phones i also don't like my best friend you know jonathan his kids will not put down their they'll sit through every meal all day long on their phones and it drives me insane uh, and he knows it it drives me why insane don't you know too, there's but. a rule that we do you know with my friends we uh when we're having breakfast or something everybody puts their phone in the middle 
and no one yeah. touches it. And the first one who grabs her yeah. phone pays for the whole fucking table. I love that, man. <laughs> That's what she got to do. What do you do if nobody grabs her phone? Just split it up four ways or whatever. Yeah, it's just the way, way it is. I mean, hey, look, everybody. Look at that, guys. We had a conversation. You didn't need your phone. And here's the thing. My grandma's like, you didn't hear your phone ring? I never, ever <laughs> have my ringer on or my yeah. text. I look at, I yeah. figure, I look at my phone enough that if I look at it 20 minutes and I get a text, I'll respond. I don't need to hear it ringing and doing this shit constantly and dinging. Yeah. My friend Joe, I love him. Ding. It's a notification from uh, whatever. Yeah. Like 8 million yeah. things. Every second it's dinging. I'm like, how the fuck are you doing anything with your life? No. I don't I don't get any of those either. No, my phone's always on silence. I don't get any social media notifications, none of that. But yeah, I am totally addicted to my phone. But I do, I will sit it down sit it down and you know, at important times to sit and have a conversation so with So we have dinner, you're gonna you won't use it. No, nah, no. I might check it if you know if you if you got up to go to the bathroom, I'd look at my phone. Or if I got I'd really it. boring. If I was boring, you'd be like, you know, Rosie. You you boring? That's not gonna happen. I don't know, man. <laughs> Hey, dude. Yeah, um, you, you'd be on your phone constantly. I know. I am, too. Do you ever, do you feel like you, your neck ever hurts from being on your phone? Well, my neck hurts from wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think it adds to it? So my neck always hurts. Yeah. <laughs> do you like have, like, you know, I was watching some highlights of your stuff, and when they announce your name, I don't think, I mean, in roles, I've seen you explode with a, you know, an, a certain energy, like, you know, as Drax and right. things like that. But, when I watch you, when they announce Bautista, whatever the, when you came out there, do you think that was the biggest high you've ever had? Is with that going oh, in the, sure. those arenas yeah. when they announce you? Was that the biggest oh, high you ever absolutely. had? Absolutely, it's an it's a drug, man. It's pure. That's I used to when I used to come out and do my entrance, and I I got this from uh, Shane McMahon. You know, Shane McMahon is he's the son of Vince. He's a wrestler yeah. as well. But he used to always say, "Man, coming out, it's like it's like it's like heroin. It's like shooting heroin." I used to do that with my entrance. Yeah, that's where that came. Um, but yeah, absolutely, it's it's uh, it's the high of performing, and it's all that energy from the live audience and people screaming and cheering. Um, yeah, it's, it's pure adrenaline, pure adrenaline. I also was thinking, man, you know, I was like, I don't know if it was in a dream or not. I don't know if I was dreaming about you, but have you ever like? I'm sure it's happened, but you're in the ring with someone, right? And mm -hmm. And by the way, I didn't know that you had the uh, longest reign as world heavyweight champion for 282 days at WWE. Is that is that real? Is that true? Yeah, yeah. With that particular title uh, in that time, yeah. I didn't know that. It's pretty. That's awesome, yeah. dude. That's totally awesome. Yeah, thanks. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> so, I had to. I dropped it because I got injured really bad and I wasn't able uh, to perform anymore. I had to get surgery on my arm, so I had to leave. I had to vacate the title. For well, a while. Oh, talk about depression then, huh? Yeah, it was. Uh, it's weird. It, it was depressing because I was under the same mindset. Every injury, I always throughout my career until like maybe the last year of my career, I always thought I was one bad match away from being fired. I was always worried about my job, concerned about my job, which is why I was so so driven. I worked so hard because I, you know, I this was like my last shot. This was my last chance at, at being a success at something. So making something out of my life. So I was always just fear of losing my job. Do you think that's how it is with your acting career now? Do you feel that same way? You're oh. so driven. You want to be so great. Is it, is it, maybe it's just part of you. I think it's, well, I think right now it's, uh, it's, and I'm obsessed with becoming a better actor. Like I, I just, I'm obsessed with acting. I just, and it's hard for me because I can't, I can't get better if I'm not working. I, I'm an on the job, you know, learning actor. And if I'm not working, I'm not learning and I'm, like, I'm so hungry to learn this craft of acting. I'm obsessed with it. 
And so it's more that because it's never for me, acting has never really been about uh, being famous or a paycheck. It's really just been, I've just been obsessed with becoming a, becoming a better actor. You know, it's, it's still a struggle for me. That's funny. You say about fame, you said fame is overwhelming. Sometimes I just want to crawl under a rock and hide. Yeah. Do you, do you really sure. feel like that? Do you feel like even at premieres, do you, do you feel, is it that you feel like you don't belong? Is it feel that, uh, if, what is it? Yeah. I hate, it's all of the above. I, I've always been really socially awkward. Um, but it's, uh, I don't know, man. It's just, it's a little, it's a bit overwhelming for me, which is, I mean, to be honest with you, it's, it's why I live here in Tampa. It's very <laughs> removed from everything. It's removed from a spotlight of any kind. And I live such a normal life, but even here I have, you know, a pretty big property surrounded by a great big gate <laughs> makes me even further removed, but you know, I like it. I like, I like the solitude, which is why I was saying earlier, it feels like I've always been prepped for this. Like I was social distancing, like way before it was necessary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, I, uh, I was talking about that dream I had, or, or maybe it was a thought or whatever, but I was like, I wonder if you ever like maybe wrestlers in general that you, I know I kind of go all over the place, but that's how my mind works. But I was thinking you accidentally hurt someone. It was actually an elbow. You didn't yeah. mean to get that yeah. high. Cause you're going so fast and things happen. That sure. You're like, fuck dude. I'm yeah. 300 pounds or whatever, or I don't know how big yeah. you are, but yeah. I hit him and I'm like, during the match, you're thinking, Oh fuck, is he all right? Is he that had to hurt? Oh my God. Do you ever get down there and go, dude, I'm so sorry. I'm fucking sorry. You whisper in his ear, dude, my bad here. Fucking hit me in the balls. Do something. What do you do? <laughs> I mean, what do you do? That's well, that's happened to you. I, you know, I, I was pretty lucky that way. And I was also, it was almost a hindrance early on in my career because I was so afraid of hurting someone that I appeared to be non-aggressive, which in professional wrestling just doesn't help your career. Um, you, <laughs> <Right>. need to, <laughs> you care too much. But I, but I did. I just didn't, you know, I didn't want to hurt anybody. Um, cause you know, that's kind of, that's, that's part of our job is we have to protect the people we're working with because they also need to make a living. They need to go out and perform. So it's really a fine line, but there were a couple of times where, uh, there was a guy named Randy Orton. I wrestled <laughs> once and I hit him really hard and he sold it. And I knew I hit him really hard and I was trying to get close to him to apologize to him. <laughs> so I kept punching him and then I hit him hard again. And I'm like going, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And the more I'm trying to apologize, the harder I'm hitting him. And he finally just like smacks me and he goes, just get the fuck away from me. <laughs> oh my God. It was horrible. And then there was another guy. There was a guy named Ron Simmons who I thumbed in the eye once. And oh. I thumbed him and I knew him. I felt my thumb like go up in his eyelid. And I felt horrible. Not only did I feel horrible, but at the time I was a rookie and this guy was a former world champion. He was had the respect of everybody. I was like, oh, man, this guy's mom getting fired. This guy's going to kill me. And so I go backstage, and I, I start to apologize to him. I go, Ron, man, I'm so, so, so sorry, man. And he goes, for what? I said, uh, I, I thumbed you in the eye. And he goes, no, 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 I just had some sweat in my eye. Like, he just would not sell it. He really? Didn't anyone, he didn't want to make me feel bad. He just wouldn't. He just, like, you know, just one of those things it just happens. He didn't want to make me feel bad about it, self-conscious about it, worry about it, just let it go. So well, he, what about he you? What about you? Have you ever been hit, and you're like, motherfucker? Yeah, there was a few times. There was a couple times. Uh, um, yeah, and I never really got pissed about it um, because usually it was just one of those things. It was either just you know somebody was being real stiff, they work stiff. You know, every once in a while, I'd tell them to lighten up. 
but it never really, I never minded being physical either. I was that guy never, um, a guy named Triple H said to me early on in my career, he said, we get paid a lot of money to beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> and I always felt like that's a very fair statement. <laughs> yeah, right. So the crowd should get their money's worth. It's not, you know, this is a theater of violence. That's the way I always looked at it. So I'd never mind, mind. I'd rather it look too physical rather than looking too fake. Yeah. So I never really minded. But yeah, I've been uh, been punched pretty hard and beat up pretty good, been cut. And, you know, it was, I don't mind being beaten up. I just, you know, when, when a guy injures you, that's something else because I right. have been, that's happened as well. But I also, um, and I don't want to, you know, point fingers, but I've had guys put me in the hospital and had surgery at the fault of other people. And I never. Did you, you ever know, say I'm never, never wrestling them point. again? I did. I did. I wrestled them again. Um, I worked with them again. I never took it personally. Uh, it was just something, you know, you just come back and you move on. If the company is not going to fault them and not going to blame them, then I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do it either. Do you, do you, come I back. mean, were there some guys you just like, it has to be, cause I've acted with some guys. I've done stuff where you're like, I just fucking hate that guy. I just yeah, don't like yeah, that guy. I've got a few fucking dick. That guy's just a yeah, dick. There's a lot of those guys, especially when you're working under, you know, that type of environment where it's kind of a totem pole, you know, right. um, environment. Um, it's changed a lot, but when I was breaking in, it was it was very much a, a totem pole, it was a hierarchy, and you had to take crap from assholes. You know, <laughs> and some guys took advantage of it, and they were bullies because they could get away with it. Did you ever get in a real altercation with another wrestler? Yeah, I got in a fight with a, a guy named Booker T. Uh, over something really, it was, it was, it was a personal issue. It was a personal issue, but it, the thing that really bothers me about that whole altercation is he started a fight with me when I was injured and it was, and we got into it anyway, Oof. but, uh, I th always thought it was really, really low of him to start a fight with me when he knew I was injured. You know, even if he was pissed at me or not, you know, you don't fight a guy who's, you know, got, you know, who's dealing with an injury. Right. It's, it's like almost like trying to pick a fight with guy on the ice you know, it's, when he's when he's exhausted, and he's about to get off the ice. And you just got on. You're like, let's go. And you're like, dude, I'm fucking exhausted. What are you fucking? I'm winded. I can't fucking fight. You know right, what I mean? Right. <laughs> it's different. That's also you're injured. You know, being exhausted with uh, not the full use of your, you know, your limbs. It's like that. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important if you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time um better help has helped me substantially ryan here have been using it for a while and i you know don't you notice when you don't use better help when you don't have therapy oh the weeks where i miss a session of course yeah yeah it's just it's it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. 
Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash inside. Inside of you is brought to you by Factor. I love Factor meals, Ryan. Do you know this? Yes. Why do you know this? Because I've seen them in your fridge and you've offered me some. And you've had them. And I've had them. And you love them. I do. Because I asked you every time. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I spent an enormous amount of money using delivery services for food or going grocery shopping and never eating the food that I buy or too many leftovers. And it's just, I waste so much money. And, you know, Factor Meals has really changed my life in a lot of ways because they have so many different meals, like 35 different meals, more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. And it takes just two minutes. So it doesn't matter how busy you are. It's two minutes to cook this stuff. You always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. And that's what Factor does. Um, I, I, I just can't get over all the things they have, like filet mignon, shrimp, blackened salmon, um, their breakfast items, everything, dessert. It's, it's perfect for my lifestyle. And I think it's perfect for a lot of lifestyles. Um, yeah, you can crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Keep kitchen time to a minimum. Factor meals are ready in two minutes. No shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. Warm, sunnier days are calling, Michael. Well, yes, they are. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian-approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. It's pretty incredible. Head to factormeals.com slash inside50 and use code inside50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code inside50 at factormeals.com slash inside50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Factor Meals. Who's your, uh, who's your favorite wrestler of all time? Of all time? Um, well, when I was younger, it was a wrestler um, named the Warlord. He was he was my favorite. I, I love this guy. Um, and as I got older, like probably if I had to pick a guy right now who's who I thought was like probably the best ever, it would be it would be Triple H. I think he's he's probably the best wrestler. That's, that's you ever. friends with him? You guys talk? Yeah, yeah, all the time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, he's he's a good dude. Would he and be he, a good um, interview? And he made my career. What's that? Would Triple H be a good interview? Be a great interview. Yeah, he's interesting as hell. He's and he's obsessed with wrestling. I don't know, you know how how interesting the interview would be outside of wrestling because I don't know if I've ever really heard him talk about anything other than wrestling. <laughs> right, that could be neat though. He loves he loves bodybuilding. I know that, dude. I I don't know if I ever told you, but I used to love that guy. He wasn't a wrestler, but remember Brother Love? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he'd say, yeah. "Dave Bautista, I love you." <laughs> But that don't mean I yeah. lie to you. I have an autographed Bruce picture Pritchard. from him. <laughs> yeah, Bruce Pritchard. I think he has a podcast as well. Really? Yeah. Brother Love? Yeah. Oh, Brother my Love, God. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, I know why you work. Because, you know, you. by the way, you just watch certain roles. And you just, like, when you say you work so hard, you see it. Like, I, the first thing I told James when I saw Guardians 2, 
was Batista stole the show by a mile. I mean, everybody's great. Batista, I couldn't take my eyes off him. It's, he's the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. Like, he's so <laughs> funny. I, I can't. I've, I think I've told you that, but I was just like, you were, you're so good. Your comedic timing and just the way it was done. I'm like, I, I, I don't know why you wouldn't work forever. You know, I mean, yeah. you're just a likable and you're great. Do you want to do, because you've been doing a lot of comedy been doing yeah. a lot of comedy do you want to get like i don't know what i haven't seen the show c on apple the the uh yeah i haven't seen that is that dark it seems like it'd be dark yeah it's a dark it's very post-apocalyptic uh it's very much a, a character role for me um it's you know I, I, my you know what i really want to do is just i, I like drama like i like just just regular old I want, that's what drama. I was going to say I want to see that you know it's like almost like a character like Rooker did in uh, um, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer something yeah. just like that you I, I know you could because you could pull all that shit from the yeah. past out you have that in you yeah. you know what I mean yeah. like those roles for me are hard to get a hold of but I'm constantly searching for them um, but yeah I'm, I'm, I'm limited sometimes on it's, it's sometimes it's really hard to get people to look outside the box and see someone like myself in those roles but yeah I'm always in pursuit you know what's funny? Who in Hollywood would have thought Dave Bautista is going to be fucking comedically genius? Who is, who's going <laughs> to? Well, seriously, who's going to watch any any agent or you know studio who watches Guardians goes? He's hilarious. This guy's got chops. So, did you think when you're wrestling and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to try and trans transition into acting? And I remember we had those right. conversations. And you were like, no, I shouldn't leave. Should I leave? You were cross. You didn't know. Right. You're like, if you do this, you're going to ruin your career. You're never going to be an actor. And all this right. shit that we taught. You guys could listen to that in the first interview. Right. But did, were you thinking, dude, someone's going to hire me in a blockbuster Marvel movie, and I'm going to be comedically gifted. <laughs> <laughs> did you think ever? Could you ever? What I'm saying, my reasoning for that is because, so studios, it's going to happen. If they saw you, yeah. who would have imagined that? So why can't they imagine you as like the tough guy? The, yeah, you know. I, no, I never, uh, no, I never would have thought that in a million years. And it's weird. I, it's the role, <laughs> the role in the first and, and the first, um, you know, the first one was um, James Gunn rewrote it. And Drax was written very differently than the second one. The second one, I think James kind of tapped into my humor a little bit on the first one and, and decided that he wanted to put more of that in the second one. Um, but in the first film, like the comedic stuff was, it was a challenge for me. Like I, I, I struggled with it. And some of that stuff, they reshot, like the nothing goes over my head because they really wanted to get a sense of Drax being such a literal character. Um, but the stuff in the first film that I looked forward to was like the dramatic stuff, like Drax talking about uh, like, you know, his family being, you know, murdered. Oh, right yeah. in front of him. And like that stuff, like that scene, the really uh, hard scene was, was cut out. It was uh, cut out of the film because um, it was. It was just kind of slow and dark, but that was kind of the stuff I was looking forward to. It's, yeah, it's so funny I, that the comedy. I, I never would have thought, man. I still don't. I, it's hard for me. I don't find myself funny, and it's uh, so it's hard for me to, you know. But I would like to do. You know what I want to do is I want to do a rom-com. I think I've talked to you about this. I want to <laughs> do a rom-com with Kristen Shaw more than anything in the world. Like, I'm dying to do this rom-com. I will get this done. Like, well, somehow I will get this done. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So if you're some yeah. wrestler, blah, 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 she falls in love, right. you're not the kind of guy she would ever date. You have all these tats. What does that mean? You're like, oh, this one means mom, but this one means fuck mom. And you're like, wait, what? 
She's like, oh my God, I would never date this guy. And there's something charming and lovable about you. It's kind of like that rocky relationship with Adrian. Yeah. Where he's like, you know, yeah. he, it's the only guy in the world that can get away with her at a zoo in the dead of winter. And he goes, you know, uh, you know uh, what are you doing for the next 50 years of your life? And she goes, why? I don't know. I thought you might, wouldn't mind marrying me too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can play that romantic, lovable. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be yeah. something like that where you could just be that charming, yeah. comedically. But yeah. yeah, I could see that, dude. I could see that. We we tossed around a few ideas. One of them was along along those lines of me being a pro wrestler, which I'm not at all opposed to. Whatever you know will be endearing and make people laugh. And uh, but I think we would just make the most unlikely looking couple <laughs> ever. And I love her, and I love working with her. She's actually. I think she's not giving nearly enough credit for how talented she is, man. She's she's amazing, and I love working with her. I love being on set with her. She's just so fun. Um, so I, hopefully we can make that happen because I really want to do that. Well, dude, I hope that I know it will happen. I'm not, I don't hope it will happen. I know it will happen. I mean, the shit you've done already, where you've come from, it nothing's going to surprise me if you told me you're running for president tomorrow. Uh, Let's not so get started. At this point, I, may. <laughs> I knew <laughs> it. Point, I knew I it. I would fucking rough you up, rough, rough your feathers. Yeah. Uh, all right, these are the, lastly, uh, these are shit talking for my patrons. This is shit talking with Rosenbaum. This is uh, just a couple questions. You don't have to get real deep, but you just uh, they're going to ask you some questions, and you just uh, you know, uh, Raj, do you have a favorite tattoo? Yeah, I have uh, a, like a portrait of of my dogs on my thighs. That I, that's probably my favorite. All right. Jason L, favorite wrestler to work with? Uh, again, it would be, be Hunter. It would be Triple H. Triple H. Mark yeah. A, what was your honest reaction? I don't even know what this means. Blutista? So I w- we did this pay-per-view um, where I wore blue. And it was I never lived it down. Like People were so focused that I wore blue for this pay-per-view. Like my gear, my wrestling gear was blue. And I, I was offended. And the reason why I was offended is because it was a six-man tag match, and we went out and killed ourselves. Like, we beat the hell out of each other, and we had a hell of a match. And we also, it was one of those things where it was three older guys who had been around for a while trying to really... Uh, um, step up. Yeah, step up these kids. Like, just give them a rub and, and bring these kids even up. They were kind of already over, but just bring them to a different level, uh, make them bigger stars. And what people took away from that match was that I was wearing blue. Like that's all they, that's all they focused on. Well, that's like what people do. Amazing. And then, but they were just so, you know, obsessed with that. I was, they were so focused on me wearing blue that that was the big deal. And they started, they dubbed me Blutista. And I thought it was just so stupid. Yeah. Way to go, Mark A. Way to go. <laughs> way to ask me that. I should have done research yeah. on it. I was like, yeah, I'm sure it has something to do with yeah. uh, Drax or something. I don't yeah. know. Little Lisa, no. if you could turn back the time and talk to your younger self, what would you tell him? Oh, man. I uh, I would just, you know, it's weird because I, uh, somebody asked me that before. My always fear is like if I could go back and, and tell my younger self, you know, this is going to happen, that's going to happen then would I have stopped working as hard? Would I have looked at life differently? And I would never have wanted, I don't want to change things like that in my life. I'm, you know, proud of the way I grew up. I'm proud that I've accomplished uh, what I have, you know, coming from nothing. So I think what I would have just said is, is is that you're going to be okay, dude. You're not, you're not going to die. (laughs) There were days like that. Even when I was bouncing, there was nights when I thought I was going to walk out the door at the end of the night and get shot. Like, I didn't think I was making making it home. Like, guys, 
in, in the 90s in D.C., people were getting murdered hourly. It was it was crazy. Like, it was crazy how many people and were getting scared? murdered. And you were scared? You were scared? Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, I was, I was worried. I mean, I was literally, like, we were all worried. We were getting threatened nightly. Um, and it was such a violent place at the time. It was like a war zone. This crack wars. You know, I always use that term that people, you know, it sounds ridiculous, crack wars. But it was society of the crack wars, man, where people are getting killed for their damn tennis shoes. And so that's Jesus. what it was like. It was like walking out because I wasn't armed, I'm not walking out. I can't defend myself. But there's people out here with like guns that are shooting you for stupid shit. And I was on, you know, on a nightly basis when I was bouncing, getting threatened. And getting paid what so, uh, to do that, right? I was doing okay. You know, when I first started bouncing, I wasn't making much at all. But towards the end of my bouncing career, I, I was doing okay. I was walking home with cash in my pocket every night. You know, because you're working with, uh, you know, in bigger places with, uh, you know, good clientele and you're getting tipped out. Um, so it was okay. I, I don't have that kind of complaint. There was just times when I was just, I, you know, I, I blew through my money. I didn't know how to spend it. Didn't know what to do with it. So on good weeks, I, you know, come home with a pocket full of money. Bad weeks, I was, it was gone. I was broke by the end of the week, you know. Jesus. But, right. uh, that's it. Just, uh, I just like to, you know tell my younger self that you're just you're gonna you're gonna make it out of this dude you're gonna make it off this block it, it, actually that'd be pretty reassuring back then you know yeah. i mean i yeah, wish yeah. i think everybody wishes like i wish somebody would have told me in high school just dude you're gonna get hair on your balls don't worry one day <laughs> there'll be a hair on your balls your girls will start to like you you're gonna grow yeah. you're gonna do all these things but just you know maybe don't let this one go and maybe, <laughs> maybe not worry so much about that stuff and maybe yeah. deal with all your dysfunction now, <laughs> or, you know, something like that. All right. Lisa, Lisa real quick. What industry is more cutthroat professional wrestling or Hollywood? Oh, professional wrestling by far. Yeah, wow. By far. That, by, Cause that's... it's still contained. It's so right there in front of your face and there's so much, you know, Hollywood is, you know, it's, it's weird. It is. It's, it's a political business. It's a political environment. It's a relationship business, but there's always, there's so many more avenues, but with wrestling, there's really, there's one Avenue, you know, up until recently, you know, now there's another company that seems to be a lot of guys seem to be gravitating towards. But at that time when I was there, there was only, there was only one place to be, or you weren't making a living. And it was just like a, it was a hundred guys right there in the locker room, with you ready to cut your throat <laughs> to put that belt around their waist. And that, that's how it was. It was just so right there in front of your face. Jennifer N, what was your favorite scene to play in event on uh, Avengers Endgame? Oh, Endgame. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I was, I was hardly in Endgame. <laughs> I was in it for, I was very briefly and it was, I was only a couple scenes. It was like an action scene. I, then I think it's the scene with Thor. So it was probably the scene with Thor. I, you know, I'm not really an action guy. I don't really uh, enjoy doing action. But um, Such yeah, a pain in the ass. Endgame would be yeah. Thor. And Infinity War it was uh, the invisibility thing. It was just, <laughs> it was just so ridiculous. <laughs> Emily asks, have you ever gotten excited to meet another actor? If yes, who? Oh, God, man. Kurt uh, Russell? Uh, I did. I was excited to meet Kurt, but I was uh, like, oh, man, that's that's a big question because there's been – there's been quite a few. I mean, there's even, you know, people that I worked with that I was excited to meet. Um, yeah, that's, I'm sorry, man. I, I wish I had a, like a name, right? Even directors, man. That's such a, that's Stallone? such a big question. You didn't work with Stallone. Oh, man. It's like, again, man, like Stallone was, I, I took a job 
I took this job. I wasn't crazy about the job, but I took it because I wanted to work with Stallone. What was and that? I sat in the, I sat in our first scene together. I got in and sat with Stallone. I said, look, man, I'm not going to be a fanboy today. I said, but you know, tomorrow I'm probably going to ask you a hundred questions. <laughs> and before we finished that scene, <laughs> I had already contradicted myself and I just went to town like question after question. Like, yeah, who is this guy you put me with? I did, I did I that with Stallone on the last day. I waited and I waited. We had a good time. We had a good rapport. We right. laughed together. He knew my name. Right. You know, right. called me, hey, dot face, because I had these CGI dots in my face on the <laughs> Guardians 2. And the last day, I brought my Rambo lunchbox. And I go, yeah. hey, would you sign this? He goes, wait a minute, how old are you? I'm like, what? He goes, how old are you? I'm like, I don't know, I'm 46. He's like, you got a lunchbox? You want me to sign the Rambo lunchbox? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can sign to my name. I don't want to sell it or anything. I, He's like, I do. <laughs> yeah, I dude. dude. I'll bring it with me next time. Get him to sign it. Dude, it's awesome. I love it. Um, Benjamin H., you're cl- clearly a very disciplined guy to work with, food, exercise. What are some of the things you do to stay disciplined? You don't have to go on, but just uh, what's with the big thing? Well, I, I follow certain rules with my diet. Uh, I'm gluten-free. Uh, I don't eat red meat or pork. And so there's some of the rules of my diet, which actually helps a lot as far as maintaining like my weight. Um, Cause I can put on weight really easy. Like I can be muscle bound real easy. Um, other than that, I just, uh, I don't, uh, I work out because I'm, I have issues. <laughs> so I work out so much to keep myself sane. This is all like a side effect of my mental issues. I look this way for a reason. And I work out because if I don't work out, I'm, I'm not in a good mood. I'm stressed, um, possibly violent. <laughs> I'm not the same, you know, centered person. Right. Uh, so I need to, I, it's therapy for me. Like working out is, ther- is therapeutic for me. So I, uh, I do those things. I, I, I work out no matter what it is, just something. I and how long a day? How long every day? It depends. It depends hour, on what two hours sometimes? If I'm working out like with weights, it could be 30 minutes to an hour. If I'm working out, uh, I've been doing a lot more jujitsu lately because I'm home. Um, I I could be in there two, three hours. I, just, I love it, man. We get you know just get in there and it's jujitsu is human chess, and learning human chess is to me is like I can't get enough of it. Like I just constantly want. It's good for the brain more, too. More. What's that? Good for the mind. Oh, incredible! It's incredible for the mind. It really is. I was talking to the buddy I train with. His name is Josh Rafferty. Uh, and he's a, a Gracie black belt. We were talking about the other day, and it's like when you're doing jujitsu, all you think about is jujitsu. You just lose, you lose sight of everything else. You're just so focused, so dialed in. Um, so it just really, it's again, it's so therapeutic for me and exhausting as well. Uh, last two, Jeremy, and what things did you set as goals growing up, and how many stood the test of time? I didn't have any goals growing up. And I know this sounds stupid, but like when I was growing up, I wanted to be not dead and not in jail. Like those were, those were my goals. Wow. <laughs> Talk about grateful goes back to that being grateful, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but no. those literally, those were, those were my goals. I just didn't want to be in jail. I didn't want to be dead. Pat E out of everything you look at your career, your life, what would you like to be? Rem- what, what would you like remembered about you? Um, I hope that, uh, you know what I'd really like to do. And I don't, I don't know if I've done it yet, but it's always my goal to like inspire people, especially like poor kids. And that's, you know, hopefully I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get that project one day that will just, uh, 
inspire like people like that's what I want to do. And I use that word a lot because I like to be inspired. Uh, this is why I, I, I love stories. I love films. I love television because I love inspiring stories. Um, so hopefully, you know, I can, uh, you know, uh, achieve that goal of just inspiring, inspiring people. Well, you know if what? nothing else, I'm going to tell you else, something. Maybe it's through my story of uh, just, you know, coming from nothing and, and making a conscious effort to just not waste my life. You know, maybe that'll inspire me. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say, yeah. you are, you are. Just by you telling these stories, by telling where you come from, that inspires people. And people look like, this is a guy who could die any night. This is a guy who saw so much violence. He wasn't going to amount to anything. What is he going to do with his life? And to be a movie star. And I, I look at you, and it's somebody who inspires me. And it's it's just it's just nice. It's, it's fun to be around you. I mean, you're one of those guys that remember, you're like, hey, come to Disneyland. You know, you're just a, you just, you're like a kid like me. I think we're both like that. We get, we just want to have fun. We're on a set and you get around people who just take things so seriously. And I, I like to be around people that don't take things so seriously. Right. Not that you don't, but I, I, sometimes you don't. No, but I agree. I mean, there's, there's one thing, you know, there's taking yourself seriously and taking yourself way too seriously. Yeah. And I, some things should be like, I, like filmmaking is, is fun to me. Like I, I, I love being there. I love doing it. I love being a part of the process and some people to see people, you know, get so demanding and so irritable and so moody and still bitchy about like, what, man, this is fun. Yeah. Like it should be fun. And I, but I, when I get, when I start to perform, I, I take myself seriously and I'm my own worst critic. So I'm beating myself up more than anybody. Um, but at the same time, I'm enjoying the hell out of being there. Like, I'm grateful as hell for being there, and I'm not going to bitch at people for stupid shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Do you... Uh, but I, go ahead. No, no. You go. No, no, you go. No, no you go. <laughs> All right, I was just going to say, I don't do this as much, but are you this hard on yourself when you look in the mirror in the morning? Do you go... Do you look at yourself and go, all right, you look good. You're, or are you always like, fucking ugly, fucking this, fucking that, <laughs> fucking this, you got to work on this, your traps look like shit. You know, it's funny, man. I, I had this conversation with myself recently. <laughs> and because, no, I never wake up, but I, you know, I like I also accept my faults and I just, it is kind of is what it is. Um, yeah. But I <laughs> recently, uh, because I've been working out so much, and I did post a picture of myself last week because I felt like I, I don't know, I felt like uh, pretty good about myself. But there's been a couple times recently where I felt like, yeah, man, I'm getting in good shape. I'm going to take a picture right now and post it because I feel good about myself. And then I'll take a picture and I'll be like, man, that doesn't look good. <laughs> man, that's not good. And then I'll just abandon the whole idea. I was like, oh, man, I'm Fuck this. I got to work out harder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, dude, this has been a treat, man. I, I love you taking the time. You're just a, you know, you're just a genuine guy. I love talking to. And when this is all yeah, over, you're, you're definitely getting hugged. And I'm going to take you up on your yeah. offer to come to Tampa. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, you do. You're always welcome here, man. Dude, you're awesome. One of the my favorite people in the world. And also, uh, I'm going to text you. You know, I always have neck issues, and you're probably the guy to talk to. I've had a couple of neck surgeries. I know you've had a lot of shit. I want to talk yeah. to you about just exercises I could do just to take the tightness and the traps and all that stuff. Yeah. Cause I'm just always tight. Always. And I know you have yeah. some answers. Yeah, I do. And, uh, and like, I don't know the, you know, the origins of your, of your issues, but we'll talk about it. And I have, I have a piece of, I have a, a machine that I travel with because of my neck and I swear by it. Is it the uh, thing where I'll you, talk- where you lie down, you pump it up? No, that's a, uh, God, what is that called? Um, that's a traction machine. Right, right. This is actually, it's something that's preventative maintenance. It's like an exercise machine. It's called ProNeck. And what it does is just, just helps you exercise your neck. Please uh, send me a link. Send me, I'll buy it today. It will. And it's just, uh, 
it's as much resistance as you want. The resistance, resistance is through a bungee cord. So it's like a nice light resistance, or you can make it tougher if you want, but it really is to just really exercise those muscles in your neck. I love it. I love you. And this has been awesome. I can't, what, what's next when this is all over. I mean, you, I know you did an episode of, I, I haven't seen it. When could I see uh, what we do in the shadows? It was a great movie and, or, you yeah. know, and I want to see, so you appeared on that show. Yeah, I did. A, so last, uh, last year, uh, I'm sorry, their first season, I was, uh, did a guest spot. And they wanted me to come back and do a, a reoccurring role, but I, I just wasn't available, which killed me because I love, I, for one, I love the show. I'm a huge fan of the show, but I also love Taika. He's just, he's, he's such genius. A good dude. He's such an interesting guy. Um, but I, I wanted to work with him again, but yeah, it's, it's out there. I also did a really, a really cool episode of a show called Room 104 that eventually will come out. I'm really excited about it because it's a different type of role for me. Um, and then I got to, you know, I'm still on C. So I'll, I'll go back and finish that. We were right into like uh, episode two or three. Right. Uh, See so on Apple. We'll and then you got Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy in pre-production. So that's going to happen yeah. eventually. Army of the yeah. Dead, dude. What's that yeah. about? Is that zombie shit? Great. It's, it's great. Please, shit. dude. I've seen, a, I've seen a little bit of it. Um, Have you I watched The down. Kingdom on freaking Netflix? Uh-uh. Oh, no, it's I've... a South Korean zombie fucking show. Bautista, watch it. You'll go, okay, Rosie, what the hell? Two episodes. You know Episode three this, and on, you're going to shit your pants. I, I will. I'll watch it. I'm really bad about it. Like, I've just, I've been so disconnected the last few years. I think it's just because I've been so focused on work. Um, and also, I have to say that uh, I'm really enjoying, enjoying the fuck out of working with Jason Momoa. What just a guy. Been, what been, a nice guy. Yeah, we've been having a lot of fun. A lot of fun. <laughs> He's just like a big kid, man. I really love that guy. Every time I see him totally at a convention is. or like something. He totally is. So we have that in common and the whole motorcycle thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're yeah, we're I think we're cut from the same cloth. <laughs> well, I love yeah. it. Dude, you, I won't keep you any longer. This has been fantastic yeah, and I love you and I'm yeah. gonna text you later, man. Love Thank you, you for doing Thank yeah, you man. for allowing me to be inside of you, my friend. Again. Yeah, you're always welcome to get all up inside of me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, take care of yourself, man. Bye, bro. I love that man. I love Dave Bautista. I just, I don't know. When you listen to him, how could you not love this guy? Great interview. Uh, just so open, and uh, we need that. We A good friend of mine. He's become a good friend of mine. And, you know, how we met, which we talk about, I think, in the first time he came in. But, you know, he was on Smallville, but I didn't get to work with him years ago. And then I was at... Uh, a convention signing autographs and somebody said hey Michael um, Dave Bautista would like to say goodbye to you before you leave because he heard that on the announcement that you're leaving <laughs> Michael Rosenbaum is leaving I go I, th- I think maybe he means like Michael Rooker because they worked with Bautista Dave Bautista wants to talk to me so I went up to his his table he's like hey man I just uh, I just wanted to say hello I heard your name and I, I just want to say hi and I'm like, oh my gosh, who does that? Nobody. Nobody does that. Dave Bautista does. And from there, I just like, I just, and of course I'm like, can I, we should talk or something. Get you on my podcast. And he did it. And he's, uh, so enough about him. He's a gem. Uh, let's do a, uh, we're going to read some fan mail, some r- really cool letters that came in first. Uh, why don't I, and I'm going to announce the patrons, but I want to read this. This is this really cool thing. Um, this uh, expressive art therapist, Comer, she um, she found this, and I remember she read it to me, and 
last year when I went to that uh, place to kind of get my shit together. But I just thought it was beautiful, and it kind of just made me think about now, and I don't know. I'm just going to share it with you. You could fast forward, but I think it's really great. Uh, the title is Trusting. If you read the front page story of uh, the San Francisco Chronicle on Thursday, December 14th, 2005, you would have read about a female humpback whale who had become entangled in a spider web of crab traps and lines. She was weighed down by hundreds of pounds of traps that caused her to struggle to stay afloat. She also had hundreds of yards of line rope wrapped around her body, her tail, her torso, a line tugging in her mouth. A fisherman spotted her just east of the Farallone Islands, outside of the Golden Gate, radioed an environmental group for help, and within a few hours, the rescue team arrived and determined that she was so bad off, the only way to save her was to dive in and untangle her, which was a very dangerous proposition. One slap of the tail would kill a rescuer. They worked for hours with curved knives, and eventually, they freed her. When she was free, the divers say she swam in what seemed like joyous circles. She then came back to each and every diver one at a time and nudged them, pushed them gently around. She thanked them. Some said it was the most incredibly beautiful experience of their lives. The guy who cut the rope out of her mouth says her eye was following him the whole time, and he will never be the same. May you and all those you love be so blessed and fortunate to be surrounded by people who will help you get untangled from the things that are binding you. Is it just me or is that just freaking beautiful? Uh, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Let's get into the patrons. I want to thank all my patrons. Uh, patrons. It's Patreon, but my, I always say that. Uh, wow. Again, incredible. I'm doing these fun things now, too. Uh, if you're not a patron, um, <laughs> you know, we have a thing called inside of me pretty much, you know, I answer their questions so they get to ask me questions and I answer them. And obviously I film them, but I filmed myself playing a character and that was fun. So we do a back and forth thing and it was just, I had a really good time, maybe because I'm quarantined, but it's funny, I think. And uh, thank you again, the top tiers, all the tiers. I just sent the merch boxes for the top tiers and we did a bonus app. We did a live YouTube um, I've done two of them now where all the patrons, every one of them get on there and you know, I play songs and stuff. It's like an Instagram live, but private for just, just my patrons. So thank you. Thank you for sticking around. Um, it means so much to me and it surprises me every day. I look at all these people and they're, it's a community and a family and I love them. Nancy D, Mary B, Leah S, Trisha F, Sarah V, Yukiko. I yelled that one, Yukiko. Jill E, Brian H, Lauren G, Nico P, Nico Barry L. <laughs> Barry, I love that you're still around. Angelina G, Jerry W, Kevin R, Emily K, B, Robert B, Vortex. I love you, Vortex. Jason W, Tiana, Andrew C, Allison L, Mark A, Jason D, Chris Raj. Raj C, Sean W, Joshua D, D, Emily S, CJP, Rocks, Raccoon, Samantha M, Hamza B, Hamza, 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 Jennifer N, Stacy B, Stacy's mom has got it going on, sorry, Carly T, Vanessa in the sky, Vanessa in the sky, Reem, 
Jennifer S., Janelle B., Neil W., Tabitha272, Kimberly E., Melissa C., Mike E., Jake M., Catherine M., Jack S., Carly S., Judith D., Judith D., Carly S., Ramira, 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 Chris F., Chris F., and Chad W. Top tier patrons. Holy crap, keeping me afloat. I love you guys. Uh, here's a uh, fan letter for you that was really uh, special. So I thought I'd share it with you. I hope, I don't know why I'm yelling again. Hi, Michael. This is from Leanne. Just want to shoot you a quick email and let you know how profoundly the podcast has affected my life. I'm a special education teacher. I work with blind and visually impaired children. With the shelter in place, life has been really crazy and I've been uh, having anxiety attacks. Listening to the podcast has really helped me relate to other human beings who are going through the same stuff that I am. My sister's a nurse, and she also experiences anxiety along with depression. She's not been able to work for the past two years due to this. I turned her onto the podcast, and she told me today that it has been a huge help to her as well. Thank you for your kindness and using the medium to reach out to people. You'll never know how much you truly help us all. I'm attaching a picture at the bottom so you can put a face to the name. I'm the blonde on the left. Mom is in the middle. Sister's on the right. Thank you. Thank you, and thank you, Michael Rosenbaum. You are forever appreciated and loved. Leanne Pritchett. And she has a little quote from John Fitzgerald Kennedy. One person can make a difference, and I sound like Forrest Gump. I'm not going to even try it. Ask not what your country can do. No, one person can make a difference, and everyone should try. John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Another great episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as, as much as I do. Remember, Mental Health Week is coming. I think it's just really important. And these women, these amazing women, therapists of mine and now friends have said yes to coming on here and helping all of you, all of us. So again, please subscribe, share the podcast, get people to listen to it. It's up to you. Uh, I love you all. And um, thank you for allowing me to be an all Thank you for allowing me to be inside all of you. All right. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did. And they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.